0: best advice, you know, probably is just start, you know, we, people that have ideas, people that want to do different things, you can get lost in what's it going to be like. And, and, and don't get me wrong. Planning is a really important part of, of doing a lot of the work that we do. But I think part of what you have to do, if you want to make progress, you just got to, you got to get going. You got to, you got to keep moving. And, uh, and so that I had some people that have always encouraged me in that.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Great Business Minds podcast, the definitive show for the business of digital infrastructure. I'm your host, John Max Liman, and I use my experience as a digital infrastructure journalist to dig deep into business issues, but also get to know those who build out digital world. Great Business Minds is brought to you by Portman Partners, the premier executive search firm for the digital infrastructure industry. With 50 plus years of experience, no other firm can match their knowledge, discretion and connections with the best top-level talent in the sector. So are you seeking great business minds for your digital infrastructure business? Contact Portman Partners today. And in this episode, we are joined by someone who has become some sort of walking fountain of knowledge within the data center sphere, as some would say. David Liggett is the founder and chief executive officer of Data Center Hawk, which he started in 2014 with a vision to help customers make better decisions about data center real estate. His 15 years of industry experience and leadership have helped create a global platform trusted and dependent on by the world's largest data center owners, investors, consultants and users of digital infrastructure. His data center journey started, however, in 2007, right at the cusp of the boom of the data center economy. David has also started the Data Center Hawk podcast, an industry focused video and audio experience exploring relevant digital infrastructure topics. He joins us now from Dallas where he is based. And David, let me start by saying I have learned an awful lot from your podcast. Um, I will certainly rank it one of the highest, if not the highest um, in our sector today. I really, really, really enjoy it. Um, So well done on that. But now let's jump on our podcast and let me say welcome to the GBM podcast. Uh, But David, before we jump into the business and the market and everything, um, usually with the podcast here, we talk about you as a person, the entrepreneur. Um, They operate within the sector. And then the second part, we do talk about the market and what you're involved with business wise. Um, So my first question would be, how did you get involved with digital infrastructure?
0: Yeah, you bet. And thank you for having me on. It's really fun. And congrats on your success and venture that you've started, it's going to be fun to watch that grow too. Um, You know, I got into the digital infrastructure space through commercial real estate. So I worked for a company that probably many of your listeners are familiar with CBRE for uh, about eight years. Uh, And right when I started at at CBRE, um, I was joined, I joined some other team members that were focused on the data center industry. And at the time, uh, CBRE was pushing their their, uh, their brokerage firm to pick areas of specialty areas of expertise, like focus areas. And so we picked that area and I, at the time I've said this many times, but I didn't know the difference between a kilowatt, a megawatt redundancy in plus one, two in. And, uh, and Vulcan so it, yes, it <laughs> was a, uh, it was a great, um, start to something that, you know, unbeknownst to me would become my career. And so, um, I love my time there. Uh, and and I worked with some great people and they really helped shape my understanding of this space and also what the opportunities uh, were in the future.
1: Well, it's funny you mentioned people because my next question was actually going to be which people have influenced you um, oh, yeah. over the years um, that drove you to take the path that you've taken, which has been very successful as well.
0: Yeah. So that's a great question. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, there, there's, there's certainly a few people that I think have influenced me in different ways. And I'd first maybe start out and say, you know, professionally, uh, I've had, um, you know, a, a team member that I worked with at CBRE named Pat O'Keefe. And he was a very, uh, we were very different, but he was very smart and really helped me understand the, the data center industry. Um, and that was a really formative time in my career. Uh, so he was very patient with me as I learned. Uh, which I appreciated uh, and find more value in uh, now. Uh, So he certainly from a career perspective uh, was, was an influence. I had a number of like leadership team members there also too, that, that influenced me uh, career wise. Uh, You know, I would say uh, personally, I've been fortunate to have people that uh, have invested in me, uh, you know, over the years over the last like 20 years of me being in the, the business world and Um, And I think they probably cared more about me and my personal growth than they necessarily have my professional growth. But a lot of times I have found that if people are growing personally well, typically their professional life follows that. Um, So I've just had a group of men that have been really supportive of me, not just in uh, my business ventures, but also in, uh, you know, my faith and what I believe in. And then also too just me as a, as a husband and as a dad and doing the things that, you know, frankly, you get to do you know, typically one time and you want to do them really well. And so I've just been very fortunate um, and I'm very thankful to have uh, people that have uh, invested in me, encouraged me, challenged me, and, uh, and have pushed me to be, you know, hopefully, um, you know, living out the things that I, I want to make sure that, that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm living out. So uh, I've had, I've been the beneficiary of, of uh, some great wisdom and great mentors over time.
1: It's it's a positive cycle. Um, And I love the point as well about challenging, because that's how, I mean, that's how, one, you develop as a human being, two, how you develop um, business ideas. Oh, yeah. Um, But, I mean, you've already kind of mentioned um, being a husband, being a dad. Um, Of course, there's all the business side, the personal side. Um, What would you say motivates you to go on um, doing what you do? Um even when it gets challenging, I mean, we were talking about <laughs> challenges before we press record <laughs> yep. uh, on the button. we've both started businesses, business and we know that and I'm just the start of the journey um, compared to you. So uh, what motivates you to go on?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm motivated uh, well, I think things over time the, my motivations have been different. you know when i was when I was young, I, younger, uh, I think my motivations were around, uh, you know, really learning and understanding business and understanding, you know, what the opportunities were to, to be a disruptor in a market or areas that traditionally hadn't had many. So I think that's been motivating. I, I certainly think, um, you know, building something like really creating something like when we started as or Hawk, like we just there'd been nothing like this before. And so, you know, really, and that's really hard, you know, it, it there's days that it sucks, you know, when you start something and you've really got to figure out how to work through that, um, and and carry that, that drive through those, those time periods. So, um, I think for me, that has been motivating. Um, now we have a team and our team has gotten bigger and now we have team members with growing families and that kind of stuff. And so that's motivating for me is going, Hey, I'm making decisions that are not just impacting me, but impacting, a company of, uh, uh, and people and individuals. Uh, and then I think, you know, my family, I mean, I'm, I am, I was reminded the other day, I was having a conversation with our 15 year old son and he was talking about our, you know, some things with our company and telling telling me how I should make sure that I'm proud of what we built. And I was, I was telling some friends of mine, I was like, you know, that was probably one of the most valuable things in the last eight years that I have received from someone was, Just him recognizing that there's been hard work, him seeing what hard work looks like and what it takes to do something and build something um, for me is something that I'll go, uh, you know, I couldn't have scripted that, but that was really meaningful. So when you kind of put all those things together, um, you know, that's what motivates me on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, that's really cool that he's done that, especially at such a tender age. Um, recognizing right. hard work because um, that's usually an age where you don't really recognize the hard work <laughs> that your parents all. put into something.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You recognize like, how can I, how can I play Fortnite and what, you know, when can I do things for me? So you're right. It is, it was a, it was a fun moment.
1: <laughs> um, but uh, David, so when we talk about creating new, new things, generating new ideas, um, how would you describe your thought process? Do you have like a A really weird kind of way of going around getting an idea and building that idea or what's your thought process what's the secret
0: yeah well I you know it's probably it's probably no secret to it I think I've always been someone that's that likes to look at uh, what I'm doing or processes that are in place and try to figure out how to make it better you know and 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 I think we obviously are growing up in a time where uh, that is easier to do today than ever before like easier to ideas and to think of new things. And so I found myself growing up, you know, I would always have these one or two thoughts around ways to do things better or different create, you know, I kind of have a creative, um, it doesn't maybe show all the time, but I certainly think I have a creative side to me. And then I think with the, 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 the driven and business side, I mean, you kind of put those two together. And so you get this, Hey, what are my, what's the problem we have with this Well, what if we added this, or could you do this or add this technology to this situation? It would provide a better result. And so I think that's what has been uh, my mindset around the work that I've done over the years. And I have found that even when I was in college, I was thinking of things like this, uh, you know, starting a few businesses. And then when I got out of college and I did, I was in, um, a ministry for five years and kind of that, uh, that was taking place even then. And then obviously in the business world now for the last 17 or 18 years. So all those things, all those time periods, there's been that consistent, uh, I guess, framework around, Hey, how can we take situations that aren't great and make them better?
1: There was one business idea that you had when you were in college that never saw the light of day. And when you look back now, you think like, why did I even think of this?
0: Yeah. Uh, golly, that's uh that's a good question. Um, so I had, uh, you know, I've had a number like of ideas over time that I didn't really do anything about. And one of them was, uh, which I laugh now and this is, I can't even believe I'm, I probably shouldn't share this, which is probably why I should. Um, so I used to laugh at pictures that were really awkward of people like a, of myself and our family. And I always thought it'd be funny to have like, you know, a, collection of these pictures you know like if you just looked at like some pictures of our family growing up i mean it's so funny you know 80s like i grew up in the 80s so our we were wearing these the clothes we wore the hair we had it was just crazy and so i one day so anyway i was like gosh it would be so funny to have a website of like funny photos like that well one day this was probably 10 years ago i was, I was in target with our kids and and there is a like a vid, like a, a board game i think it's called like awkward family photos that you can buy in target. And I was like, I thought of that like 10 years ago. Anyway, that just shows you the, maybe, maybe I've lowered my uh, view from all of your listeners, but no, I, you know, I've had, I feel like there's been, when I was in college, actually, I started um, working for one of the, uh, like in the administrative office for one of the the, uh, schools that, you know, were we're at our college. And I did that for about a month. And I was like, I can't do this. Like I'm not meant for this type of work. And I, uh, I actually then started a, a t-shirt company for, you know, the groups that I was a part of and with. And so actually that's how I got, uh, you know, I was talking about that creative side, that's how I did, um, you know, a number of like, I feel like I used that gift in in that scenario to uh, to run that business. And that was really like the first business that that I started that, you know, allowed me to like pay for college and really get through things. Um, so that was that was kind of how that that worked out in, in college. So there's a really good example of a, a, a very uh, a path that I didn't take. that was probably very wise and a path that I did. That was that was a good one.
1: Well, the, the good one pay for college, which is amazing. Yeah, sure. um, especially we know how much it costs to go to college in the US.
0: Yes, Um
1: but the second one, someone else took that idea, so they kind of showed right. that it was good as well. They validated it,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: um, and David, what I like—I like to ask this question to everyone that comes on the show. Um, I think it's very important, especially for younger listeners, to understand um, how to kind of go about business. What would you say is something that's non-negotiable for you when it comes to business? Um, and this can be when you're starting up, when you're running it, when you're exiting. It's just throughout the business journey, what is something. They do not open a handoff.
0: Yeah, I think just to value people, uh, you know, it's, I think from my, maybe, you know, my youngest days, maybe my growing up, watching how my my family interacted with people, um, you know, out of college, work, I worked with kids at a sports camp. And so I really, you know, valued how they were growing. And and then as I got into the business world, you know, one of the reasons I started at Center Hawk was to build a company with with great people, with people we could invest in. And I've said this a million times at our company, but like, if you are the same person uh, when you leave our company as when you started, then I failed as a leader because one of my you know, biggest roles is to help develop, challenge, encourage people that work for us to, to grow and be their best. And so um, I think that for me, I've just always had that desire to, hey, there's some sacrifices that we will make at a corporate level to make sure that we are developing great people, that we are you know, hopefully encouraging people, growing people. Um, and whether they're at our company for a year or 20 years, hopefully they look back on their experience with us and go, I mean, that, that was something that had a big impact in my life. And, and so I think from my standpoint, I just wanna make sure that we, we value people that are we come across our path and work in our organization
1: that's absolutely very important, especially with younger um, yes. members of staff. They, this will, I mean, this will shape um, yes. basically their, their journey throughout the years to come. Um, and, and David, how would you say? How would you describe the role of the entrepreneur um, in the data center mm. space today? What, what, what is changing? What, what is different? Um, you can even compare it to your own journey. Yeah. Um, from starting Data Center Hawk to what's different today, especially after COVID. Uh, we are getting to the post-COVID stage as well. Um, tell us what you think the role of the entrepreneur is, how is he changing, and what tips have you got? Yeah, I think
0: that the first thing I would encourage people is just figuring out where you want to, you know, if you want to start something, what area in our space, you know, do you want to play in? And, and I think the cool, the great thing about the data center industry is there's lots of different um, areas where you can, make a difference. I mean, I just look at what you're doing with tech capital. It's like, Hey, you're, you're making a difference on the the journalism side of things and making sure that people see hear, understand what's happening in the market as it relates to data center development, growth, technology. Um, and that's a huge value. Um, and, and you're using your gifts from a, you know, publication side of things and a writing side of things to do that. So that's, you know, that's a great example. I came at it from the real estate perspective and I said, hey, I want to be the I want to be a industry standard for, you know, data center commercial real estate data in our space. And so that's where I've, you know done it. We've seen some entrepreneurs at the data center operator level that are starting companies where you know they're they're building data centers all over the world. So um, I think the the exciting thing is there's a lot of opportunities. so th- that's probably one of them. I mean, I think the biggest thing I would say is people, you know, having a clear focus is so important in what we do. It's, it's so easy to get distracted, to get, go down different, you know, rabbit trails where you spend time on things and, and you realize, hey, you know what, this is not the most valuable use of our company's resources or time. And so, you know, I think if, if I was to give, you know, um, maybe things I've learned to other people, it's a hey, pick a focus, pick a lane, stay in the lane, be the, be the best at that. Know, be the very, very best at that. And there's, you'll create value, you know, in the, in the space and, and, um, and it, but this industry, it takes a while and it's a smaller, I, I think too, it's a niche industry. It's a smaller industry. You really have to be aware that everybody kind of knows of everybody and you, you have to be aware of that and understand that, that our industry works maybe a little bit uniquely when compared to some other different types of bigger, um markets and things like that. So it's a it's a phenomenal space to be in. And it's a really young industry. I mean it, you know, I laugh because when I got in it back in, in whatever 05, 06, 07, I just was, it was super young. And I still feel like today that we're seeing changes that it's like almost like different frontiers of of uh, development and growth and things like that. So uh you know I hope more people will jump in create new ideas, invest uh, because it's a fascinating space to be in mm, I
1: know that, it's just amazing I think you make some really valid points one um, being kind of a small industry even on a global stage everyone does know everyone um, if you land in Singapore you will know people there if you land in um, in Sao Paulo or Drsburg people know each other <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That's it's something really yep. funny to watch yeah um, and I mean and on the on the maturity of the industry it's I mean it's really at the the, the beginning um i used to say when i used to work with our journalists some, some of them used to be afraid um, of getting into the topic and taking a lot of time to understand the topic and i said to them look everything is changing so fast within six months you're going to be up to scratch you're going to know more than someone has been in it for the last few years because you're going to have the latest and the newest information yeah um, it's so fast pacing um which is very exciting Um, and talking about excitement and we already kind of mentioned there's a lot of space for growth and um, development and innovation. Do you think we have enough entrepreneurship going on in the the data center space today? Would you like to see more startups and independently of what they do, whatever they operate, um, would you like to see more entrepreneurship going on um, other than just the big guys that we see all the time?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's healthy for any industry to have that, you know, taking place. I mean, we have some very smart people in our, um, in our space. So I always, you know, there's probably like you, you hear of new technologies or new things happening and it's going to change the world. And I always, you know, I'm, I can be a bit skeptical because I think to myself, Hey, we have some really smart people in our industry and um, these aren't things they haven't thought about before. So, um, but I am encouraged uh, at the, uh, I think in a couple of ways. Number one, those that are thinking about how to deliver new solutions, uh, like data center facility solutions in different locations. It's been really fun to watch, really fun to be a part of, you know, big data center facilities, small edge locations. I mean, just this huge gamut of, uh, of different uh, products that solve a user's uh, needs. So that's been fun to, to see. And I be you know, really fun to see the capital that goes into those companies and and even newer companies that start up there. I think on the technology side, like specifically around cooling and um, the efficiencies around data center design and construction. I think there's there it'd be really fun to see uh, you know more companies starting there to try to attack those problems. Um, so I'm I'm encouraged by what we're seeing. I, I hope there's always new um you know new opportunities because our space is it's 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 really at some points it's been invisible almost to other you know to maybe younger professionals that don't really understand or haven't uh, been exposed to it and i think when they are they go oh my gosh this is what's supporting our our world yeah (laughs) and so i i think when you think about that and you talk about like job security i mean if you find a path into this industry it is a it's a lot in my opinion if you are somewhat smart can add and, and are a, a good person, you can have a job in this industry forever. I mean, it's, it is, it is and continue to grow and increase. And um, so I'm I'm encouraged by what we're seeing. I hope we see more of that.
1: Interesting. So, and just before we, we break for, for our break <laughs> in the middle yep. of our sponsor, uh, I'm up what, what you just said, what would you say is the one thing that's missing um, from the data center space today without giving away your next business idea. <laughs> of course.
0: Yeah, well, I think you've heard those and <laughs> don't worry about that because it probably won't happen. Um, you know, one thing that is missing in our space today, I think would probably be uh, the ability to solve, and I, I'm talking about this from like a facility standpoint, you know, the um the ability to solve the long-term needs of the customer um you know i think we've seen and this goes kind of like to the data center operator um and even and some are listening then they might go well we you know we've created something that's doing that today i i would agree but i think that the unknown of our space is uh you know it when you look back it continues to change and as you think about the future, there's so many things that can impact these decisions that have to be made. And you're trying to basically design the infrastructure to support whatever the the, the decisions can be. And, and they're so expensive. And so I just think that like when I think of something missing, I go, man, that the evolution of that, the thought process on how to solve that problem, you know, it, it could always be there. Um, and, and it's something worthy of of everyone's attention, because this is obviously taking the world's resources, power, water, all the things that uh, supporting data center infrastructure um, does. And so, you know, I think that that piece, solving it will be something that is, it's, you know, it's it's missing today in the sense that everyone is trying to solve it. And I, I'm excited to see down the road, uh, the solutions that will be put forward to do that.
1: Yeah. And it's a very important piece of the puzzle, especially as yep. we scale to record numbers yes. every single Huge. month now. Huge. <laughs> it's, it's tremendous. But I mean, I, I generally, I thought you were going to say that the missing piece was um, a game of awkward pictures from people at events, but <laughs> we, we can, we, we we can sort that out. I've got a lot of resources to start that one if you want to. There you go. Sure. <laughs> um, but David, before we continue, here's a quick message from our sponsor, Portman Partners. Are you seeking great business minds for your digital infrastructure business? Portman Partners is a unique international executive search firm dedicated to finding the leaders for the digital infrastructure industry. Led by Portman founder and senior partner Peter Hannaford and chairman David Pye, Portman works with clients around the world in the internet and cloud infrastructure sector. Portman has a vast network of contacts around the globe and has placed senior leaders at many of the world's most prestigious organizations in the business. From investors to hyperscale operators, regional colours, designers, construction firms, and plant and equipment manufacturers, Portman has the talent and experience required to fill a wide range of C level and leadership positions. No other executive search firm specializing in the digital infrastructure sectors can match Portman's knowledge entry expertise or the worldwide connections needed to conduct efficient and confidential searches that will result in successful placements. If you want to be at the top of your sector, getting that Portman the best in theirs. To learn more and connect with Portman via their website, visit www.portmanpartners.com Welcome back to the second part of the Great Business Minds podcast episode with David Liggett. David, let's now talk more about the industry itself. Um, let's talk about Data Center Hawk, actually, before we jump into what's happening in the market. Today. Sure. Because Data Center Hawk, it's it's very interesting. It's still kind of a newish company, 7, 8 years old, I believe. Yep. Um, tell us, where did the idea come from? Um, I mean, wh- why, why are you tr- what are you trying to solve as well? Yeah, you um, bet. Yeah, let's yeah, so... start with that. I was going to talk about the logo, but I'll talk about the logo in a second.
0: Yeah, you bet. So we... Um... When I worked at my previous company, CBR, I was talking about just always wanting to try to take processes that were challenging and solve them. And so the data center industry historically, uh, you know, as we talked about it being young, the, the information supporting the decision making was relatively uh, incomplete and wasn't uh, is was insufficient to do the job that, in my opinion, companies uh, needed, and then also too, to match the amount of capital that was going into those decisions. And I think I think people are aware of this, but if you compare the data center, like real estate asset class to the office market, the industrial market, retail, like the amount of capital that goes into the data center space typically is like 10 to 20 times more than those other uh, asset classes. So, But what I found was that the information was almost 10 times more available in the spaces that were a lot cheaper. So- We, uh, you know, I would always struggle with this. So I thought to myself, there's got to be a better way. And no one had really set out to say, hey, we're going to be that company. You know, we are going to be the company that goes out. We're not brokers. We're not uh, doing that work. We are here to help people that are helping customers. We're here to help data center operators that are trying to understand where should I invest a billion dollars? You know, we're trying to help investors that are looking at how do I get into this market? Um, And so that was really what, where our, the, the catalyst behind starting our business came from, and I'm not sure how it happened for you when you started Tech Capital, but for me, I was I can remember I was sitting at my desk, and I was so frustrated by something I was doing. I was like, "That's it. There's got to be a better way." Like that was my moment of going, "I'm going to do this. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm going to do something to uh, to solve this problem." And also, too, you know, there's people that are building great careers and, and are really interested in kind of continuing to like I. I wanted to basically use my gifts to solve problems, and so uh, I just have always thought, you know, I'm really not afraid, uh, or I've convinced myself maybe I'm not afraid to do something and it and it maybe not work out like I thought. Um, And I think I've, you know, growing up, I probably have some examples of that where I've tried some things didn't work out very well, and and I realized like, hey, I'm still alive, I'm still standing, everything's good. Um, And so I think when I put all that together, I was like, I can do this. Like we can figure this out, and. Uh, so that's where the that's where the 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 idea came from and our name so data center hawk uh you know the reason that we you know you mentioned kind of the logo and the the name um you know the, the hawk actually sees eight times better than the human and so our and we don't talk about this much but our the reason that we have that hawk name is because our desire is to be to show a market transparently to show it better than most people see so we want to take our data our analysis our aggregation our technology our, our work and put it in a format where people can see the market typically much better than they've ever seen it before. And so that's why um, we're data center Hawk and our, you know, you can see it on the, uh, on our conversation. You can't, uh, I don't think you can see it on our podcast, but that's why we have the logo we do.
1: No, no, I love it because I was going to say in the media world's, hawk is one of the main um, birds one of the main animals exactly for what you said um so for the last 200 years especially in the UK there's been publications called the hawk or the hawk times or something like that Um, and I know some towns in the US as well so that's why I've always liked the the word hawk yeah um and actually when I was at uni I had um a small publication that I started at the time about just normal affairs legal affairs and all this Uh stuff like in the in the let's call it the normal world outside the data center world um and the logo had the hawk
0: so oh, cool on, that's awesome uh, on the name so yeah um
1: so i, I like i like that because it's very media it's very close to my heart basically so yeah hard, there we go that's go awesome scoop and all that um i was gonna say you've already kind of also mentioned sometimes things don't go very well and everything um with Edison hawk tell us about one time that things didn't go according to plan um and you had to turn things around very quickly and you made a bad situation and it's transformed it into a, a good um a good outcome and you've grown yes. from it
0: well, I probably have a long list of those and, and I think any entrepreneur <laughs> well, would. How and, much
1: time do you have? Yeah, no, there's, <laughs>
0: there's probably a lot of people that be on here and say that they couldn't, you know, remember a time, but I, I can. So the, the very specific one or one that is very clear to me was we, one time, probably two years into our business, we had a customer sign up on our platform and I was helping them and I was the one that was helping shepherd that process. And they got on the, the platform and they felt like, what they had, uh, that, that what they thought was going to be on there was not, did not meet their expectations. And so they were, you know, they were really frustrated and, um, I could kind of feel myself almost getting frustrated back because I felt like I had clearly communicated what was there. And so, uh, you know, as I, I have some investors and people like that, that I actually talked to about the situation and they just said, Hey, let's, let's, I'll never forget it. He said, let's own what we need to own. And then let's just problem solve. Let's figure out how to help. So we basically went back to the customer and said, Hey, you know what? We, we should have done a better job at this. If anyone that's on our platform, if you're on here, like you need to be excited about me. This needs to help solve your business needs. And we, we want to make sure that it is. So, you know, we're going to completely, you know, void our, our contract. and, And then we'd love the opportunity to keep figuring out ways to be helpful to you down the road. If, if that makes sense from your perspective. So, um, so anyway, we we apologize. And so I I think three months later, we continue to dialogue with the customer. Three months later, we signed a contract, I think three or four times larger than what they had originally signed. And um, and so it doesn't always work out that way, but that was a great example of we just humbled ourselves. I specifically me. <laughs> I said, Hey, I messed up on a, in a few areas and 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 here's where, and I'm sorry. And I even used the words that like, will you forgive me? And they said, You bet. And we just kind of, we, we kept the relationship going. And so, you know, typically when you you trust people and they trust you and you can find that balance, um, most of the time good things happen. And that's an example of one of those that seemed like it was a really bad day, but down the road, it turned out to be a really good one.
1: Yeah. and I mean, trust really is the key um, yeah. to anything in business. Um, and, and I Leaving up to to a mistake or something that hasn't gone right, it's a very mature thing to do. Yeah. Um. And I can only imagine at the time, also as a young yeah. person, it would have been a very hard thing to do. Yeah.
0: It's challenging. <laughs> it's good. And that's what you know, talk about. You, you talk about challenging yourself and growing. You know, if you start a business like this is, you know, and you're you're running things and you're you make mistakes. I mean, there's things that happen you thought would do, go this way, they go another way. Um. And so in my opinion, having that humility, which is, which is just a correct view of yourself and of others um, is, you know, is, is really valuable and that can really be helpful.
1: Okay. And um, so talking now about the business again, and how are you going to expand this from here? What's the, um, what's the future like for this and the whole, what regions are you going to go into? What things are you going to do to stay ahead of competition? Yep. Um, What can we expect?
0: Yeah, you bet. So, when we started our business, I, I said, Hey, if we can't do this in the United States, well, we should not do it other places. So you'll, I think, you know, you'll see different groups that say, Hey, we have all this data on all these different markets and all these places. And if you really evaluate maybe the levels of that, I think you'll see that it's pretty thin. And just because our industry is a global industry, I mean, you know that. Um, and, and so we just, we stayed in our lane. I talked about that before. I said, Hey, this is what we do well. We're going to do this well, and we're going to get really good at this. And so I feel like after we did that, probably 2017, 2018, we jumped into the European markets. Um, and so we started with five or six there. Now that's grown to, I think, 15 or 16. Uh, we're we're expanding our, our reach into the APAC market now. So I think we've got eight markets there that we're going to be covering here soon. And then we'll get to Latin America um, you know, probably by the end of, uh, middle of next year. So, uh, we have chosen to be, um, we've, we've chosen to maybe grow a little slower, but with the customers that we had, in my opinion, do the best job that we can. And I think that has won us, um, some, you know, really great customers for a long time. Um, but you know, I, I think what I, what I just shared points to a greater trend in our business, which this is a global business. You know, if, if you, um, if you want to do what we're doing you know you have to understand chicago phoenix and dallas like you understand london paris and madrid and asia or hong kong singapore you know whatever the markets are across the world you really have to be able to, to know them and so you know that's where we think will will continue to grow and i'm excited i mean we we want to be obviously the trusted uh, global data center commercial real estate information provider and so we're working to get to that spot
1: well, I think you're achieving that <laughs> very successfully. So, uh, but it, it is interesting that you talk about how global, and I'm going to use the word borderless, um, that these industries. Even though we we see some governments around the world trying to bring up some walls um, around creating some borders, what we do is digital, digital. There really can't be any borders. I mean, if you want yeah. to drive a driverless car, which relies on edge computing and data centers, and you want to cross the border, you're not going to get to the border and change cars at the border. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in that sense, things are changing a lot. What would you say um you see as the biggest disruption in data center real estate today? Because you you do have a you have a good view of what happens in the US, but also you do keep an eye yeah. out um, across the world. What would you say is really changing that, that that's even surprising to you?
0: Yeah, I think yeah. the 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 change in requirement size over the last probably 12 months has been really surprising because it's it's had a a major impact on the supply that was in the market and you know we so at our business I mean we look at things like market size absorption vacancy rates um, you know planned power like all these different Things that we that are metrics for us to evaluate how the market is growing or contracting or whatever it might be, and towards the end of the year last year, we saw a number of companies real their demand grow to to sizes that we had just never seen before in the industry. And I would even say that the data center operator community was probably not equipped to handle the long term, where they can solve some of the short term needs here, but. The having access to land having being able to deliver 100 200 megawatts to that site parcel, um, having the infrastructure to support it being in regulatory environments where you know if you think about like Europe and, um, you know, some of the things we're seeing in in APAC. The the governments are very aware and concerned about where and how data center growth is taking place so they want to make sure that they that they do that wisely. Um, And. The data center operator world, the invest, investor world, and the users have had to figure out how do we grow within that. So I think it's really the magnitude of the demand which has grown. And, you know, to those that are listening that might be on the, the edge of our space, this just goes back to us using our phones, you know, as much as we do. Uh, us working from home, all of the things that it takes to support our daily lives, you know, that exists in a physical building somewhere on servers, you know, and and those servers have to be cooled and they have to function properly for, you know, you to use your American Airlines app to get on a flight, to go to some, you know, and that's the, those are the business and personal cases that are supporting this growth. So I think from a disruption standpoint, it's really been, you know, the size and growth of our market and in the midst of some of the supply chain issues from COVID, you know, you put all that stuff together, and we're in a time that our market's never seen before.
1: Yeah. I mean, this, and you said that and suddenly, in my mind, it comes straight away. It comes, Euro comes to mind um, with everything that's going on. That's making things even more challenging Yep, um, on this side of the world. Um, but how, I mean, you, you've already mentioned investors, for example. Yep. How would you say investors are feeling about this space? Because we went through a phase where they weren't really, generally, they weren't really aware of what we do they came in there was a lot of lack of skills and knowledge around what data centers do what the teams do um, it seems like they're a bit more educated now but there's still some some lack um around understanding exactly what they're getting into i mean one do you agree with that two how do you see investor sentiment right now um, and three do you think they still have the same expectations in terms of returns um, on what they are doing and that's a lot of questions. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> no, you
0: get, you're great. I do. I actually, I do agree with your assessment. Um, you know, and, and that's probably a, you know, what you shared in those three different phases, you probably put, you know, a five to eight year period around that. Um, you know, when I first started in the space, I don't think, you know, the typical investor community was really unaware of the data center space and it was really young industry. I mean um, so I think today's investment world, um, you know, believes that the data center industry is a worthwhile investment. Uh, I think they realize it takes a lot of money. So I think we're out of the days where, you know, I used to get calls from people and they'd say, Hey, I've got this site. Nick, I think it's perfect for data centers or, you know, you say, hold up, you know, are you ready to spend a hundred million dollars on this project? And it would get real quiet on the other end of the phone because <laughs> they'd realize, Hey, I have to spend that much to do these deals. And you're like, yeah, this is not an industrial building. It's not an office building. This is UPS generators, battery. I mean, all the infrastructure that it takes. So,
1: I think million is not even that much.
0: Yeah, you bet. I think the invest the investor community is more educated, and I think that's helped in the decision making side. I do think there's more capital in the space today than there's ever been, and that's a you know that can drive returns down, and and so I think that's that's taking place. I think the 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 two things i would mentioned that that are more evident today in that world. Than ever, our one is like rising interest rates. You know that's going to impact cost and impact who wants to be in this space and the amount of capital that comes in. Uh, and two would be, you know, the, the the construction cost and the material costs that are increasing over time. And so that is adjusting. We're we're in this season of of uh, expectations changing related to pricing. Uh, and then also it's, it's limited supply that's out there. So I think that we're almost like in a resetting period of the data center space where historically users has had had a lot of the leverage. And I think some of the leverage has switched back to those that are building um, own, you know, building owning and operating these facilities because uh, it is challenging to, to get supply online today. So um, you know, if you're an investor thinking about this space, it's a dynamic market. It is worth evaluating, um, especially when, you know, looking at some of the returns from the other commercial real estate asset classes.
1: That's very interesting. I, I like that. It's not that I like the idea, but what you say about being a period of kind of resetting yeah. um, perceptions in the space, it's, it's very well put because it is. Um, we, we thought with the end of COVID things are going to get on a better track. Yeah. But I think 2022 is still very much kind of a resetting um, yeah stage but uh, last question around the markets as, as so as as the prices go up so energy prices go up interest rates go up inflation is let's not even talk about that yeah. <laughs> um, how do you I mean from what you see, how do you see how can operators kind of embrace all these costs I mean they'll have to pass it down to clients they'll have to yep. pass it down to customers are they gonna hold back on investing and invest a bit less how how is they going to play for the operators
0: yeah, I think the, the cost certainly will be passed, you know, down. I, and and fortunately to most of the data center users, I think there's probably an understanding of that. You know, um, that they're probably experiencing similar challenges in their own businesses. So the concept is not, you know, unique to the data center operator community and, and cost rising there. The, you know, they all are, they all have a lot of access to capital, which is great. So they're still bullish on what they can buy. The question is how much can they buy in advance of of shortages and also too in advance of of, um, what's available out there. And I mean that both from like an equipment standpoint and, you know, sites for data center development, uh, getting power procured brought from a timing standpoint. So I think they're in a different spot than they than they've been in if you look back five years' it's, it's totally it's totally different you know they're thinking about how do we buy really big how do we uh, shore up our, our supply chain in a market that that's really hard to do and then how do we make sure that we uh, we don't we don't overcharge our customers but we continue to build our business in a way that uh, our shareholders you know feel like their interests are uh, being you know clearly evaluated and then also too that the the user wants to continue to do business with them so uh you know I don't think anyone is losing at all I mean I think they're all doing well the question is kind of at the nuances of the of the deals and and where those rates are and how much money they're making on those deals
1: interesting uh david if you have one billion dollars where would you go in the world to build a data center that is a great question you know I you would either you a 100 be, million I'm giving you a billion
0: <laughs> that's right, well, I appreciate that. Um, I would either be in Latin America, uh or I would be in you know somewhere in like the APAC or or EMEA region, and that's I just gave you three regions, but the reason i where I would be is an area that's like high population but tremendously underserved, and I think you know, we always talk about the U.S. being a few years ahead of from a maturity perspective as maybe Europe, and then Europe maybe a little ahead of Asia. And so I think you look at some of these other areas that traditionally have less mature data center markets. That's where I'd put my money right now. I'd get ahead of it. You know, if you're, you might be five to seven years ahead, but when it comes, you know, when it comes your way, you're in a really good spot. Somebody that that did this in Northern Virginia, uh, you know, is was the CEO at at DuPont, Fabros, who's now the CEO at CloudHQ. Um, Hussein Fatah, he bought land uh, you know, 15 years ago in that market for $100,000 an acre, $150,000 an acre. And, and now land in that market is trading for 3 to $4 million an acre. So that's just on the land side of things. Um, so I just think the key is, can you get ahead of the demand and where are those places? And so I just think at, at like a very high conceptual level, the, all those areas there's opportunities in.
1: Yeah, I mean, mine runs wild when we talk about geography <laughs> um, yeah. in, in this space. <laughs> it's just yep. yep. so much. Yep. Um, and, and David, to to round up our conversation, um, the last two questions I ask everyone, I'll go one at a time, but the first one I'll ask you is what's been the best and the worst advice um, you've ever received? I think we kind of covered a little bit of the best yep. um, in our first part, but um, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you talk. The yeah. best and the worst advice. I, I
0: think best advice, you know, probably is just start. You know, we people that have ideas, people that want to do different things, you can get lost in what's it going to be like. And 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 don't get me wrong, planning is a really important part of of doing a lot of the work that we do. But I think part of what you have to do if you want to make progress, you just got to you got to get going. You got to you got to keep moving. And uh, and so that I had some people that have always encouraged me in that, um, and to do that in a wise way, but to not be afraid of getting all your ducks lined up so you can, you know, do this, that you'll, you'll live a little bit and you'll go, Hey, if this doesn't work out exactly like I thought I'm going to be okay. So I think that's part of it. I think probably the worst advice I've ever got. um, You know, I think there's a lot of advice around failure that I, I always, I always try to evaluate clearly. So I'm someone that I just said like, don't be afraid to fail. I think that's really good, good advice. Um, But a lot of people that are talking about failure are typically those that like have succeeded. So when you're sitting in the failure and you're hearing people say, Hey, uh, don't be, you know, that's a hard place to, to be, or when you're sitting, what you perceive to be failure. So I think a lot of times I think there's just a, a lot of maybe misaligned advice around that. Like, listen, I'm not afraid of failure. That doesn't mean I want to fail. You know, like we want to succeed. We want to be successful. We want our goals to be met. Our um, and to achieve what we want to achieve, and so I think that it would be you know not to be afraid of failure, but if you are failing, quickly change to move in a direction that you can be successful. That you can you know realign your goals, realign your mission, so that you can do what you want to do. Um, and so that's you know that's um, that's some of the you know interesting thoughts on advice. You know, the last thing I'd say on that is just I think you always should consider the source. You know, anyone you're listening to, I just think I'd look at who they are, what they do, what their life is. You know, our world, man, social media and all this stuff, you can get advice from anybody. So I think just as in business, you know, as entrepreneurs, young men or women that are trying to grow in our space, it's like, just be thoughtful who you take advice from.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think one first on what you said, um, because adaptability is very important. Um, Especially when things don't go right. And most often than not, you do have to change things when you launch something anyway. um, You have to adapt. Um, And then really looking at who's saying what. I think that's a very good advice that um, no one has said on the podcast so far um, in all the episodes we've done. And I think that's a very important um, aspect of it because, yeah, you might get the wrong advice (laughs) from different people. I'm not (laughs) going to go um, deeper in that one. Um, And then, David, last question What's your favorite quote ever by who and why?
0: Favorite quote ever by whom and why, you know, man, probably it would go back to, uh, I mean, if I'm, you know, it'd probably just go back to a, a verse that I, I know from the Bible, which is in Proverbs. And it just talks about trusting, like it, the, the verse is trust in Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And I would just say for me, um, that is applicable in my life. It's applicable in business. Um, you know, there's just things that I, that are, I can control and I can do and, but there's a lot that's out of my control. And so, um, you know, for me, I, you know, really try to keep that in mind as I move through all the things we do, you know, you just think about our lives and our business and our families and all that stuff. And just going like, Hey, you know, the goal here is to build a successful business, but the goal here is to, you know, listen, I love my family and i I love my kids, and and uh, you know I, I want to keep growing, and in that way. And so, for me, that's one of those quotes that is uh, really helpful for me, and has helped shape my life and shapes the way I think.
1: Well, David Liggett, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the, the Great Business Minds podcast, um, and I can't wait to see how the business grows over the next years because um, I'm sure there's a long lifespan to what you're doing <laughs> right <laughs> on so and I'm,
0: and I'm <laughs> excited to see how tech capital grows you know I think you've got an awesome opportunity and you mentioned it but just that um, you know where you are and the information that you're putting out that there's a huge need for that so we're big supporters and it'll be fun to watch uh, be fun to you know interview you in five years when you're looking back at the success that you've had and um, and, uh, and so that'll be a fun thing to do
1: Well, thank you so much. I can't wait for it. And hopefully in a nice little (laughs) beach house somewhere in the southern of Europe. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. David, thank you so much. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. And don't forget to review and share this episode and follow the Great Business Minds podcast on all your favorite streaming and social media platforms. You can find the links in the podcast description. Thank you again to our sponsor, Portman Partners, the leading executive search firm for the digital infrastructure sector. Portman finds the talent you need to protect and enrich your assets. They get it right the first time, every time. Do subscribe to the podcast and we invite you back again for the next episode of the definitive show for the business of digital infrastructure, the Great Business Minds Podcast. See you then.